1: Welcome to the Mike Avenir Show. It is Thursday, February 12th. Actually, it's the 11th, isn't it? It is the 11th, 2021. The Thursday after the big game, the Super Bowl. A lot to dissect from that game. I wish we were on on Monday so we could break it down kind of while everybody's still thinking about yesterday's plays. All the uh, missed opportunities for Kansas City. All the accolades about Brady, et cetera. but hey, we're uh, we're on Thursday a few days after the matchup. and um, I think now we've had some time to really digest what has happened. Where does this place Tom Brady in the history books? I mean, I'm not sure if he lost if it really would have changed much. Six rings versus seven rings. But man, I gotta say, my opinion of him, has completely been solidified after this one Super Bowl. I don't think there was any opinion that was solidified from the previous six, but this one did it, and I'll explain why shortly. So we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Gino will be joining us in the latter part of the first segment, early part of the second segment, and because we usually have a very fast-paced show and guests and interviews and and discussions, and a little bit of handicapping, and a little bit of analysis, we usually don't have time for callers. And that's okay, because I would say that a vast majority of our listeners listen to the on-demand version. In other words, not during the live program. But I do know that there are some live listeners out there, so I'd like to take an opportunity to invite you guys to call in. This would be a perfect day to do so, kind of, you know, slow, you know NFL just finished we were on a crazy run you know 21 total weeks since uh, early part of September just came to a very exciting end we have a little bit of NBA MLB hasn't started yet so kind of a dead period sports wise a little bit so i would say that if you ever wanted to call a sports radio talk show or if you regularly call in and enjoy doing so and want to kind of banter exchange banter and you know share opinions give us your take on the Super Bowl or anything else in the sporting world, this would be a good day to do so. The call-in number is 1-888-866-5787. Feel free to use that line. Let's get 1-866-577-5787. Back to the Super Bowl. So... The thing for me about Tom Brady and why I say that if there was ever one game that shaped my opinion of him, at least out of the championships, that it was this one, probably even more so than the one where he came back from the 25-3 deficit against the Falcons. That's because he did it this time without Bill Belichick. All the other rings were with Bill. And when you're with Uncle Bill, Wild Bill, you're the best coach in the world and you're a late round draft pick. You're not the fastest guy. You're not the strongest guy. You don't have a cannon of an arm, right? You're, you're not very swift footed. Uh, You're not necessarily the greatest athlete. Then it's easy to say, you know what? He's a system quarterback. You plug him in and you just win. That's the Patriots way. You plug in Matt Castle, Jacoby Brissett. Jimmy Garoppolo, so on and so forth. And then these guys go off elsewhere and are kind of mediocre, especially Castle. Castle may have been one of the biggest free agent farces of all time. He just literally stole money from Kansas City. Good for him, though. He he made his coin. Can never, ever dog that, especially as an agent. But the guy was a backup at USC. Literally was a backup at USC. And Castle was inserted into the starting role when Brady got hurt and went 11 and five. So the year after, when he was a free agent, Kansas city was really quick to shell out the money. They had just, uh, lured Scott Pioli from the Patriots front offices to Kansas city. And, uh, he was able to make a selling pitch for castle to come get out of Brady's shadow. You'll be our starter. And, uh, it was an absolute disaster. So what does that all mean about Brady? Like I was saying earlier, I had only seen him win working alongside Bill Belichick. You got to wonder, can you insert anybody and have them win with Bill Belichick? Because so far, the answer has been yes. So I would say, let's look at Cam Newton this year. He wasn't able to do what Tom Brady did last year with the Patriots. Brady, on the flip side, goes to what was a very mediocre Buccaneers team last year. And they had some firepower, don't get me wrong. They put up some points. They were exciting to watch, especially with Evans and Godwin. Playmakers, great receiving core. They added Antonio Brown this year. They have Scottie Miller. You know, They added Gronk this year. But for the most part, it, it was... The same offense, at least, as last year, minus Brady and Gronk. And defense, they added some pieces. But for the most part, the the Buccaneers were a very similar team as they were last year. Same head coach, same system. They just didn't have Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions, leading the league in interceptions, turning over the ball every other drive. I mean, Jameis would either get a touchdown or turn over the ball. And the problem with turnovers is, is you don't give your defense a chance to rest up. And oftentimes they happen in a terrible part of the field where you don't want to turn over the ball. There were a lot of red zone opportunities for opposing team due to Jameis Winston interceptions. I want to hear your thoughts about that. If any callers want to chime in, let me give you an alternate number. It's actually a little bit faster one for the listeners because I think I gave out the guest line the guest hotline so when we have our guests from the athletic or espn or fox or athletes we have them call the number i gave you so just keep that between us then so if you want to call in the listener line get you straight to the top is 866-472-5788 866 472 5788 866 472 5788 this is a good time to uh Catch up with Gino here. He's plugged in and ready to go. That's a very good point that Andrew makes, Gino, because it's a very different feel, I think, from the Patriots fans towards Tom Brady with respect to the Super Bowl and maybe if they were rooting for him or not than the Packers fans. And even even though that's kind of analogous to the 49ers one I was just talking
2: about because they had Aaron Rodgers waiting in the wings. Yeah, um, I, I don't know too many... Patriots fans uh, that were rooting against Brady this year and honestly for as much as people don't uh, as much as people wanted to root against Brady and the Patriots I thought there were a lot of people that were kind of sort of excited to see him do it in a new in a new situation mainly because like going over it uh, last week there's only been one other quarterback that's done that that's crazy to think about like we we've never seen people from multiple teams, win like that. I mean, it was besides Peyton. Um, and so and and we're getting to the point now where it was like, it was kind of cool to hate on Tom Brady a few years ago, you know? And now it's just like it's so past that. Like, his his longevity and what he was able to do. And, and sort of on the same page with what New England didn't do this year. Um, and now I don't think if Tom Brady was in New England, they would have won the Super Bowl. I don't think their team had the type of Super Bowl team the last few years. And I think that was one of the major decisions that played into him leaving. He got to play this year with a, a, a much more talented group than he would have been playing with uh, had he stayed in New England. Yeah, I think that's a good point. The other
1: thing too to keep in mind is who he did it with. Tampa Bay, I would say that they're like a notch above, like let's just say the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. They have the losingest franchises record. in the NFL, Win- but lost-
2: not. Losing yeah, like, a record ton, in NFL history.
1: Yeah, you know, to me, I, I hold them in a little bit higher regard than... I know, firsthand, how poorly run the Cincinnati Bengals are. They're absolute garbage. I think Adrian came on with us talking one time. Yeah, I mean, Even their practice field, as of a few years ago, was basically like asphalt with some fake grass on it. People were getting hurt all the time. I mean, that's how poorly run that organization is. Not a first-class organization. And... Um, you know, so Tampa, to me, since he's all the way at the bottom, Tampa, in terms of win-loss record, like you pointed out, hasn't been great. I know what crushed them was a couple of 0-14 type seasons back in the 70s. Obviously, that doesn't help your win-loss record. But, hey, win-loss record over time says something. And when you have the worst, you got the worst. So, uh, But I'm guessing that's my win percentage, I think you said. Yeah. But to me, that matters, right? Because if you're able to win championships with – the Clippers, or like the whatever Sacramento Kings, no, or
2: hundred percent,
1: you know, a team, a team like that's that. not a perennial winner.
2: Exactly. Then that that's to me that's meaningful. You know, that's you, they hadn't been in the playoffs since two thousand seven. So for as much as everybody wants to say, oh yeah, he went to a really good team with Godwin and Evans, and they he brought in uh, Antonio Brown and and uh, Fournette and Gronk, and all well yeah. And they had a lot of those guys last year, and they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not
1: really even sure how many games Antonio Brown helped them win necessarily no. even.
2: No, I think he, he was he, kind of more
1: of an insurance policy because you know Evans gets banged up a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Godwin even had some nagging injuries and stuff. So one, he was kind cool of an insurance policy on that. But he, w- I think they would have made the Super Bowl without Antonio Brown.
2: Completely agree. The one cool stat I saw was that the four touchdowns that were scored in the Super Bowl – were all by players that were brought in through free agency or through the year throughout the year. you had two from Gronk, Antonio Brown, and Fournette. That's interesting. So all four touchdowns that were scored were scored by somebody, and then all of them were thrown to by Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, So you had Brady involved in all everybody involved in those touchdowns were not on Tampa's team last year. Um, but all of that being said, they won this game because of their defense.
1: Well, let me add to let me add to before we move from the offense to the defense. Let me add one more thing to what you just said, because I find that very interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in ter- in those terms as in the only touchdown scored. How about two of them missed an entire season?
2: Yeah, he w- he was the right. W- Antonio W-F- and, and Ron wasn't champion. even going to play again. Gronk was in WWE. He was the WWE twenty four seven champ. Man, he was he was like he was getting involved in stuff all the time. Inter- These guys are wrestling.
1: literally in street clothes. Yeah, yeah. And they come in, and uh, you know that that tells you, you know, that people want to, you know, they'll they'll go to battle with Brady. That's really what it tells me. Guys, like, I, I don't think Grunk would have come for any other situation. He wouldn't have gone. For to no. work with Aaron Rodgers, he wouldn't have gone to work with Kyler Murray, he wouldn't have no. gone with Dak Prescott, it didn't matter he would only come and sit. him and Antonio Brown it's kind of a random relationship but somehow they've got a relationship and mm-hmm. Antonio Brown's now followed him to a couple of places so uh, I'm guessing maybe they're off-season workout buddies on occasion or something like that but obviously he wants to be led by Brady he wants him to be his quarterback, these guys will ride or die for him and uh, for Net. You know, he was kind of a cast off from Jacksonville. He kind of, you know, was sort of a bust. Remember coming from LSU? He was so good. People wanted him to take a year off from college football because he was so good. They didn't want him to risk hurting himself as a junior until he became eligible. And, you know, he was he was good when Jacksonville was good and he was bad when Jacksonville turned bad. And I thought he was kind of done, to be honest with you. But some some point during this past season, maybe mid-year mark, week 10 or something, it seems like he's his things clicked for him again, and he
2: became the Fournette of old. It was very good in the playoffs. He, he seemed rejuvenated, and he was put in a spot where, um, you know, when Ronald Jones got banged up a couple times, he was needed. They needed him, and it's nice to feel needed by Tom Brady and and a team that's in the playoffs uh, versus a team you know that just cast you off. Uh, you know we're all humans we love to be uh, to be in a, in a spot where where we're needed and he he was excellent. They came together at the right time and it was funny because I remember, I remember early on in the year um, some of the the metrics uh, football outsiders they have their DVOA metrics and all throughout the year from like week even early but from week five on, Tampa, was always in the top five, and a lot of the time in the top three, even when they were seven and five. And people kept kind of questioning the football outsiders' metrics, and they kept saying, this doesn't make sense, you guys are too high on Tampa, you're not high enough on Kansas City, which was really funny. Um, And over over the weekend, you know, football outsiders was kind of able to puff their chest out a little bit afterwards and just sort of say – you know, going back through the metrics, Tampa was always a team that they were high on because their losses, when you look back at them, were not very bad losses. They were all to pretty good teams, and their losses were close, and 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 they were very well rounded. They were good on on both sides of the ball, and. Not a lot of the top top teams were actually pretty solid on both sides of the ball. It was like them and New Orleans were the only teams that were really good on both sides. And then, you know, when Breeze got hurt and, and he never really seemed to to click, you started like looking at the way that that this. These metrics had Tampa all season They were one of the places that really believed in the Bucks. So I wanted to give a, a good shout out to Football Outsiders Because they can pat themselves on the back Because they, they sniffed Tampa out as being a win, win or lose, right? It doesn't always have to be you win or you lose But they had Tampa rated higher Really all over than than Kansas City Almost all throughout the year Even when Tampa was like 7-5 and five And Kansas City only had one loss
1: they Put it this way: I utilize. There's very few resources out there, you know, that I utilize. Very, very few, but they're on my short list. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah,
2: right. Three or four I for mean, me, and they're, f- they're like right at the top. Yeah,
1: there's very few that I use because you know a lot of. I've got access to a lot of good information, so it's gotta be equivalent or top that or be sure. unique in some way for me to be intrigued about it. Whether it be you know, for, for, for contracts and, and looking at average salaries and statistics for players or whether it be for uh, even maybe fantasy football or or an occasional point spread or something like that, um, I, I found find that to be a very, very useful site, very useful tools that are on there. And uh, yeah, man, props to them. They did a fantastic job. And as you were kind of rattling that off, you know, it just made me so frustrated that New Orleans, and I keep harping on this. Yeah, they beat this team twice, and they were at home in a position they could have been the Super Bowl winner very easily. Very, very easily, easily could have been the Super Bowl winner, and now they're in a place where they're going back and forth. You know, is it Winston? Is it you know Hill? It's it's. Uh, do we draft? Do do we do we use Taysom? Do, you know, it's like I don't know what the answer is. I think for me. I would go to Jameis Winston, but we'll save that for the NFL preview show, or at least once we get to draft time period and we see some of the moves that are going on. And we could talk about some of those things a little bit. We got to take a quick commercial break. We come back. Maybe we could finish that thought. But I think uh, for for a sleepy Thursday, there's probably a lot of content for us to dissect and discuss. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this.
3: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
4: Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in.
3: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality positive thought current events and even more about your favorite host it's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com that's blog.voiceamerica.com the voice america press blog all access all the time
0: stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts VoiceAmerica.com.
2: I'm back here on the Mike Avitier show, Mike, when you're wrong about a lot of things in the world, uh, a lo- very often, uh, like I am, <laughs> the the, time, the few times that you're sort of right, yeah, I, I, you have to make sure that you uh, that you circle it, you you uh, document it, and you make note of it. I think one of the questions that we asked one of our uh, guests last week was, if you know, if Tampa wins, are we talking about it being because Kansas City's offensive line? Was struggling and that was about Really what happened I mean Tampa got outplayed I, Kansas City got outplayed got outcoached But it it Really all came down to an Offensive line that gave up 29 pressures I believe Prior to this game The most Patrick Mahomes had Ever been pressured in any game In his career was 16 times So he was pressured Nearly double that In this game that's that's pretty crazy just to that, think about. That was it. that was the first thing I texted you after the game. Remember that you did. You said you called that right. You, you did, and I thank you for that. And then I said, wow, because you know I didn't I didn't necessarily bet on Tampa because I did think that, and we all do. We've seen Mahomes just just be so good and be able to overcome that. And to be honest, like the the four of the guys that started on the offensive line started against Buffalo too. It wasn't like they all just got hurt, but. It, this was a much different defensive line than they were playing. So in that aspect, and the Mahomes under, there were a couple things we sniffed out, like the tight ends uh, for Gronk scoring a touchdown because Kansas City was really bad against the tight ends. So um, yeah, that was a that was a, a, a nice thing. But even with all that being said, Mike, I would have never predicted something like the thirty-one to nine beatdown. I saw people complaining about some of the the calls from the officials. Yeah, there might have been one or two that they probably that could have gone either way. Kansas City got the crap kicked out of them. I don't really, think it mattered. They got, really, yeah, they got all
1: living, yeah, assets. They, they were whooped. They were whooped. And you know, I d- honestly didn't think that the O line was going to be such a huge issue. No. I guess kind of one of those things. Do you give Tampa the credit, or you know, did the O line lose it, or did the Tampa's defense win it? I think uh, a lot has to go to the game plan and the guys just outplaying Kansas City's O-line, I mean, I think that's 100% for sure. I I thought that there was going to be, you know, do you know when, like, you have, like, let's just say Russell Wilson is really good at this. They've had a mediocre O-line during some years at Seattle. So what you end up having is more broken plays Mm -hmm. than you normally would. And when you have somebody like a Russell Wilson, broken plays are, first of all, as a fan, they're very exciting. Yeah, right? And so for those who don't know what a broken play is, it basically, let's just say it doesn't go to script. It it doesn't, the play doesn't unfold the way it's supposed to unfold because maybe a pressure is coming from a certain direction. Maybe the receivers are, are just totally blanketed, whatever the case may be. And so you got to improvise as a quarterback. And Russell Wilson's probably been the best in NFL at it for some time. Mahomes is now probably taken over as the best guy improvising. I'd rather have him improvising over like even like a Lamar Jackson, who is probably faster in a foot race because uh, or Aaron Rodgers, who's got incredible. a cannon of an arm. Mahomes just seems to be like he, he's a magician. He's mm-hmm. got a magical thing about him. So I thought more broken plays is just going to mean a couple of more deep bombs to Cheetah before halftime.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, um, boom. Robinson, because they didn't expect Robinson. Oh, boom. You know, like. Kelsey
2: across the middle, you know he whatever dropped the case a may bad be. one that would have he dropped like a third down that would have picked up really like fifteen bad. or twenty yards that would have been an automatic like that would have given us. That's what first happens down. when you have guys, even champions pressing. Hmm. Hmm. And and we we've seen this with this particular team, Kansas City. Here's the thing, right? The offensive line or not, they've been doing this now for the last two years in the playoffs, where they've been getting down big. And they've been easily able to come back They just did it against Buffalo They were down 9-0 But they come back so quickly that we kind of forget They did it twice last year And they did it again three times They did it in the Super Bowl again It. it there comes a point when you play that way You're just not going to be able to do it all the time right? You go to pull that card And it's just not always there Even if it's only one out of ten times Because they pulled that card a lot this year They didn't kick the crap out of really anybody they didn't cover a lot of their games they were sort of kind of uh, what some of the articles I was reading afterwards were saying you know and leading up to were flip the switch can are they going to be a kind of flip the switch team can they be and they sort of looked like it because they kind of slept walk through the last part of the year where they were just doing what they had to do to beat teams because they were so much better than them and and then in the playoffs the, the game and a half they played pretty good when Mahomes was there, the second half against the Browns, when he left that game, they actually very easily could have lost. Um, And then, you know, it's always funny what we like to do now is we do this where they were so dominant for the last two years, but think about it, like, if Jimmy G connects on that pass last year with the 49ers, and are they 0-2 and not winning a Super Bowl? And now are we starting to play this game of, like, can they win the big one? Isn't it funny how, like, one or two plays can completely change the narrative? Oh no
1: doubt about it. In fact, I used to dissect that back in the day. Uh, you know, if you if you take like an average game where you let's just say you, uh, you run, I'm just going to use a hypothetical number of 70 plays, right? Um, three. Let me try to think of this. It, it was it's something like this, you know. If you average three or less plays uh imp- imperfectly in other words you mess up on three out of those 70 or less on average you are a 12 and 14 if you mess up i think it's like let's just say i don't remember the exact number so don't quote me but let's just say like six
2: yeah then you're
1: happen. like a nine and seven mm-hmm. team and if you mess up eight or more you're like six and ten or uh, towards the bottom and if you think about it that's really crazy, right? And when we when when we say mistake, okay, so missed field goal. That's mistake number one. Right? Maybe a really, really bad uh late hit on the quarterback, which extended a drive. It was gonna Automatic be the con- first extended down of the drive, right? Automatic first down. Um and it could be an INT or a fumble, of course. Right? So the the margin for error is not very I mean it's I mean just think about that. If you make three bad mistakes in a game, you know, if you if you can't control that aspect of things, if you're not that well oiled of a machine, there's no way that you're gonna be 12 and 4 or or above. No. And, and that just tells you there's such a fine line between winning and losing in yeah. the NFL. I mean, there's every year there's a team where you could look and say uh, if you apply five field goals to this team during the course of the year, instead of six and 10, they're 10 and six
2: and or flip flop. Right. Or one of those teams that luckily gets into the playoffs that we keep looking at every week. Like how the hell did they make it in? Exactly. They just got the benefit of the doubt. They played the team that had one too many mistakes that exactly. week. exactly.
1: I need to it's, find, I need to find those numbers because yeah. I, I find them to be, be very interesting. I think our listeners might be interested in them. Maybe I'll uh, make sure they have them before the start of next year and you could kind of follow <laughs> it along Um, Because it is fascinating. The numbers I gave are are pretty close, though. It's kind of somewhere in that ballpark of, you know, three mistakes on average or less, you know. And, hey, let's face it. Quarterbacks are better than ever at protecting the football. I mean, it's not unheard of for quarterbacks nowadays at the top tier, at least, to have like, you know, 29 touchdowns and three interceptions. That's Mahomes. That's what he's been. You know, it's exactly right. But, but, you know, like during the era when I was growing up and admiring great, great quarterbacks, like, you know, the Marinos and the Montanas and the Youngs and the Aikmans and stuff, uh, everybody had double-digit interceptions. I mean, that was – it's not because they were worse passers than now. The rules were different. They were much uh, less favorable to offense and to quarterbacks. That's changed a lot and evolved over the years to make it a very pass-friendly league. Uh, NFL obviously wants a lot of fireworks Makes sense all the way around. It just makes it harder to uh, defend and to have a great defense. And it's on those same lines, though, that I would love if the MVP award could go to a coach or player because I think Todd Bowles was the MVP. Yeah. Defensive coordinator for Tampa. This guy was phenomenal. And let me tell you something, man the biggest mistake he ever made in his career was signing on as the head coach for the Jets. Mm-hmm. If he coached anywhere else, he would have an opportunity right now, even if he didn't succeed. But that Jets stained? I mean, how many guys have been the head coach of the Jets and then get another shot again? It's almost like a career killer. And it you know is. you're not going like to work a- for the Jets, so why bother going there? Unless you want your career totally killed.
2: He was awesome with a game plan. He forced Mahomes, and because what they were able to do was they were able to get so much pressure without blitzing, which meant they were able to just play great coverage, A- and there were so few holes in the defense and so few time for Mahomes to step up. If you looked at all the numbers, he was he didn't take very many shots down the field because he couldn't, and the ones that he did were not good. And this was statistically the worst game that Patrick Mahomes has played. And I don't think, and honestly, I don't even think he played bad. Like, he made a couple incredible throws and attempts. And there was one another one that hit somebody right in the face in the end zone that they draw. I mean, so you've got a couple drops. You've got an offensive line that's not giving you any time. Like, I'm not making excuses for him either. Like, he didn't – I don't think he was good, but he did still make some Mahomes plays, and he still did play, like, a Mahomes enough game to win – to make – like, make enough plays to win a game if they would have been in, you know, in any range to win. They just got the crap kicked out of them everywhere. And one um, thing I wanted to – Time to talk about with you because it's a sort of really sensitive thing to discuss, and I haven't heard too many people talking about it. But I think um I think it's really safe to say that Andy Reid got out coached. Um he scheme-wise um didn't really make a lot of adjustments, didn't really like coming into this game, we all knew the offensive line was gonna struggle, but it didn't seem like he was very well prepared for that. Um there were a, a time in a game where he had like timeouts back to back, and he he sort of gave Tampa another opportunity to score. Some of his old time management issues kind of came back in. And uh, one thing I really wonder, because again, this is, we're talking about with Fournette and motion uh, motions and and mental stuff. We're all humans. I mean, his son was involved in a big time car accident crash. His son, who's had some um, had some troubles and has had some demons before right before the game like that has to be something that's really weighing on you and kind of hard to like function at your normal ability with that happening am i am i right weird for for thinking that no i don't think that you're weird for thinking that i think that makes sense it's like i know um, it's a very insensitive were there any, thing like, to talk about well, I, I don't the think thing. there was were there any like, calls where you were like what is he thinking no i just think overall it was a very like Safe sort of vanilla approach from a guy who just two weeks ago, three weeks ago was literally putting his entire season on the line, throwing a ball on fourth and one. We went through the stats like nobody had done this in 25 years with a backup quarterback. It just seemed like a very, um, it wasn't in gunslinger coaching mode. No, it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't like playing with the whole, like, yeah, we're the team to be, and this is, we're going to play our game. It was sort of like, I have to kind of play it safe, and maybe Mahomes was a little more banged up than we know, and so maybe he was trying to protect him a little bit more, who knows, but he played pretty well against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. He didn't look that banged up then. I just, yeah, I I was disappointed really with Kansas City from top to bottom. Defensively, they weren't good. I mean, defensively, they were not good at all. Like they, they, They kept them into the game, but their defense was really sloppy and undisciplined. Again, if you think they, there were a couple penalties that they shouldn't have had, there were still a couple penalties that were stupid, jumping offsides, lining up offsides, like those kind of things. You can't you have to have better attention to detail in the Super Bowl. So yeah. those things I kind of all weigh in with the coaching too is just like the preparation, eleven penalties for a hundred plus yards in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think they they thought that
1: that was the game plan that was necessary to beat the Buccaneers. In other words, you know, they've had some shootouts, let's just say, with uh, uh, the Raiders, let's just say. Raiders, all offense, no defense last year, right? So they may look at the Raiders and say, you know what? we To play it safe, we better be able to put up 35 Uh, this go-around, or else we're going to go 0-2 against them this year. And I I don't remember the exact amount of points they scored, but I know that they they put up some numbers against the Raiders in game number two. So I think when you approach a game like this, you say, you know what? I don't think we need to put up 30 points. I think we can hold them defensively to 21 or less, and we probably are going to be good scoring anywhere from 27 to 31 range. And I think when you approach something like that, it's dangerous because it's another way of saying you're underestimating your opponent's capabilities of putting up some points, right? If you were to ask Andy Reid before the game, do you think that Tampa is going to put up 31 points? Now, he'd never tell this to a reporter, but internally, he'd say, no, I think we're going to be able to limit them to mm-hmm. 17 to 21 Right. So when you're approaching something like that, you want to kind of control the clock more. You know, you want to be able to, you know, win that time of possession battle and not necessarily score quickly and all those kind of things. But I think that's where you kind of start outsmarting yourself, Gino. you yep, know what I mean? Yep. Like
2: we've talked about it with Peyton a lot. Yes. Yes. He gets too cute. He gets a little too cute instead of just, hey, play you. Play what you do well. Do what you do, what you think you can do the best. Like, score quickly. Score as often as you can. You know, don't worry about, like just play your game kind of thing and worry about strategy at the end when you have, like, you know, when the, the last few minutes would you have to do this as far as the time is concerned. But, yeah, I just, I was a little disappointed with, with Kansas City all because just as the, the football fan, we all wanted to, to see a great Super Bowl game. And, I mean, they, I think we were all sort of expecting them to just come back at one point.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, no, I just mean, too. And you know what? The, the glaring issue for Kansas City, to me, and they're probably going to have to figure this out during the off season. The, the biggest weakness, the one that really stands out is their running game. And uh, they really have been trying to find that replacement for Kareem Hunt. And by the way, that's kind of a separate issue. Maybe we could talk about it one of these days. I don't understand when you kind of have to get rid of somebody because it's some moral issue. But then some other team could pick him up, but not the original team. You, you know, what I mean? like the league should be like, OK, either nobody gets him or the original team it's gets such him. A, but why such lose weird... him? It doesn't make any sense. And They've been trying to find a replacement ever since. And uh, I, th- I think they thought that C.E.H. was going to be the man. And uh, C.E.H. was uh, average. He wasn't very good. In well, and the, a lot of people uh, pick this guy in line? Uh,
2: their first round pick. In, in yeah. Games. Two yeah, because- but the
1: goal line situations, he wasn't trusted. Um, and I think even though they say there were some injuries in the backfield, that's probably one of the reasons that they got Le'Veon Bell, even though he's way over the hill and done. Um, but they're going to have to address that during this offseason and figure out is, is do they have what they need to win? And my guess is that maybe they need a two-headed monster approach uh, with somebody other than Bell and maybe that'll be the way you get the most, kind of like how Cleveland is, is used their two guys, right? Uh, even though those two guys are kind of similar frames, similar size, typically speaking, you have like one of the guys is like 222 and the other one's like two 208, yeah. right? And it's kind of like that thunder and lightning type uh, uh, approach. But let's take our final timeout, Gino. And I want to ask you if uh, you've gotten into the, crypto hysteria or not and for those on twitter you'll see that for this week's show we tweeted out a photo from the negro leagues and uh, i'm a huge fan and uh, mlb made an interesting ruling so we'll touch on that really quickly and uh, hopefully have time to at least get a word or two in on some of the mlb trades and moves from these last few days stay with us we'll be right back
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers.
3: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
0: Streaming live,
4: the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at the show.com Now, back to this week's program.
2: Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show, and it's funny because... It's sort of unofficial. Like, once football season ends, it sort of dings the bell that baseball isn't too far off. And we know that uh, spring training will be coming up and everything should be uh, going along on schedule. And there's been a lot of baseball news. I think think once they figured out that the season was going to be going along on on schedule, that some of the teams just figured, okay, now we need to, to, you know— fill up the rosters. We need to make some moves here and there before we get into some of the moves though. You uh, were talking about something that you posted earlier. Uh, You posted a picture about the Negro leagues. Why don't you, uh, you tell us a little bit about that. Yes. MLB made a decision.
1: It's probably long overdue, but they never knew what to do with the Negro league stats. What we're talking about is uh, in the time period of, let's just say uh, late 1800s to Jackie Robinson, uh, you know, about what, 70 years ago now, the uh, that blacks weren't allowed to play in Major League Baseball. And so they formed their own league, their own teams, and they were very entertaining. They had some great players. And by the time that they integrated uh, players from that league into MLB, you saw that there was a slew of MVPs and all-stars that came from, from those leagues. But up until this point, you know, guys that piled up numbers in those leagues, it was almost like as if it didn't happen. And so when they went back and looked, they're like, well, what was the competition like? And so they've gone back and forth and they finally decided, you know what, we're going to put those stats in the MLB record books. And look, let's face it, it's a symbolic gesture, right? Because yeah. all those guys are are dead. I mean, there I think there's maybe three players alive last I heard that had uh, played in in the, the Negro Leagues. So um it's not necessarily to make them happy per se, but it's to give it life so they could live on forever. And I think it's—I think those stats are worthy of that. I think those players are worthy for that. So I was happy about that decision. And keep in mind, we don't have like now a new home run leader or a new hits leader or anything like that. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are going to maybe finish with like 280 home runs, which puts them in
2: 700th place. But at least they have a place.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They deserve to be there. Absolutely, they deserve for their family members to see them in there, and for them to be known uh, throughout history. Uh, for those numbers to be known, so that that's, exactly. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and so it's, I
1: figured, you know, what, it's uh, Black History Month. Never I mean, you know, too late we don't get to into go into back too and much. make a right, turn a wrong into a right. Right? Never too late. Yeah, you exactly. can always change. Exactly. So I figured, you know, Black History Month. This is something that we could quickly highlight, especially because we're we're big baseball fans and. And some of those players are really terrific. And your favorite team, the Dodgers, they're uh, worthy of a lot of credit for integrating. Who knows if they didn't? may have happened five, ten years later. And if that's the case, we don't get Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and a lot of these greats that we got within that ten-year time period. So uh, good stuff on, on that front from what was a very difficult time in the United States. And lot- uh, if anybody hasn't had a chance to look into some of those players uh, check out the uh, Negro Leagues uh, Hall of Fame Museum. You could see some of it online in person. It is fantastic. Absolute fantastic. It's basically like a history museum. It's A lot of history of our country during that time period is there. So that's in Kansas City, by the way. So definitely worth checking out.
2: Last week during our show, there was breaking news. We were talking all about the Super Bowl. But during the show, um, it was announced that Trevor Bauer was – Coming to terms to a deal with the Mets, and so we talked about that. He has been, uh, you know, Cy Young winner last year, uh, really hot uh, asset on the market. Everybody was kind of looking around. He was, he was uh, kind of in a funny way, like selling himself online on social media for the last few months. All throughout the playoffs, he would, you know, he would tweet during the games and tell teams that would lose, "Hey, you need another starting pitcher? I'm here." You know, he so he's been um, having some fun with this, uh, this sort of being a free agent. And they had a little more fun with it last week, Mike, because as of Thursday night, when we all went to bed, it looked like he was going to be a Met, and then all of a sudden, Friday morning, wake up to the Bower. To the Dodgers, we get a video that comes out that he released And apparently all throughout the night, the Dodgers were upping the offer They gave him uh, an offer that he liked a little bit better He sounded like wanted to be out in Southern California um, as a former UCLA guy So he got to play where he wanted He gets to play with the Dodgers And uh, the rich get a little bit richer because the World Series champs from last year Who were probably the odds-on favorite to to win it again this year, now are going to add to that rotation. And then we found out today, just to, on the opposite side of the spectrum, so you get Bauer, who you're paying $40 million for a year-plus. We'll see how long, if he wants to come back, he can, he can opt out after the one. And then you get Walker Bueller, two years, $8 million deal. They avoid arbitration with him. So Walker Bueller is going to make $2.75 million this year, million next year they give him a two million dollar signing bonus so you've got maybe the best pitcher on your staff that you got wrapped up for two more years for eight million and now you're going to have a starting staff that has um three Cy Young award winners on it and one of them isn't Bueller you know when
1: (laughs) when uh you, you look at MLB contracts you got to factor that in right teams get the big time advantage for the first few years of these guys' careers once they come up from the minors yep. and then uh, so they own them and then the roles are reversed and the players own own the 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 team they own the contract the, you know so you can look at it as they're underpaid initially and and I, I don't like using the words overpaid, but in this no. context, you understand what I mean. For power, probably yeah. worth a little bit more sure. than they normally would in the open market because of that system. It's you, an interesting Dodgers, system. Yeah. Um, you could only do it because there's a minor league system. You couldn't do that in NFL. Plus, nope. careers are much longer in baseball. So in the NFL Walker you will have his sorted. opportunity to get
2: paid. Yeah, in the NFL, you they try to do it with the with the young quarterbacks. Right, because like, you can still have an advantage with quarterbacks when they're on their rookie contracts and they're still young. Like, if they're good enough to come in and win early, you've got the advantage before you have to pay one of them. But, it, you know, it works out perfectly. And that's a, like that's a kind of a recent change, by the way, within yeah. the last 10 years.
1: Because mm-hmm. before that, I mean, just go look at how much Jamarcus Russell cost the Raiders. Right in off terms the bat, of exactly. and and Right. This and this they, they had to change the rule because you had guys that were making more than really good backup quarterbacks who were – vaulted into the starting position that were making league minimum like a you know for for eight year vet million bucks and uh they're now starting ahead of somebody who got a seventy five million dollar contract. Just didn't make yeah. any sense. So I'm glad that uh that football adopted that. That's the closest thing that we have in the NFL to this system. But Walker will get paid. You know, God willing he, will. he doesn't have any arm troubles or anything like that. Yeah no, he'll, 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 he'll make his uh you know, he'll make his dough uh, soon he'll enough. Start his, it's, con- when- well, yeah, he- it's an interesting position. Well, I just going to say, it's an interesting position for Bauer because he was looking to be a uh, close number two to Jacob deGrom on the Mets versus just another great pitcher on the Dodgers. You know, when you're talking about Clayton Kershaw and Walker and Price, who didn't play last year, he opted out, and, uh, and Bauer, I mean, rank him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know uh, if I can definitively rank him. I don't even know if I could definitively say who's the number one. No, it's a good problem Walker, to have. As but a I'm kind of like, I, I kind of want to say Walker, but I'm kind of like, I think Clayton showed us something and uh, showed us that he still is the ace of the Dodgers, right? I think they could and just so, go righty
2: lefty. I think that's what they will do: is they'll just go something like yep. Walker. Kershaw, Bauer, Price, and then Urias, and then like, oh, your five is going to be Urias, Dustin May, Gonsolin. You know, like, you're going to have two of those They'll probably have, like, a five and a half Man rotation, it'll probably be, like Bauer will probably start every Like, every one of his starts, because he just wants to do that Like, he doesn't want to, they can skip some starts For Kershaw here and there, they can have them re- An extra few days of rest, same thing with Walker Um, And, you know The rest of the young guys, Urias Like, Gonsolin, um, May Those guys can all just sort of rotate in It's going to be a really nice problem to have For them, because we see it every year Inevitably, somebody's getting hurt, right? One of the guys is going to get hurt at the beginning. Two-year starters are going to get hurt. You're going to need people to fill in. So it's just going to be once you you try to match up with this team in a playoff series when they can do that and they can play that game and go, okay, game one, Walker. Game two, Kershaw, you've thrown your best two pitchers. Here comes Trevor Bauer <laughs> at you in game three. And then we've got, uh, you know, Price or Urius or someone like like David Price who still, maybe he comes back this year totally fresh, not having pitched for a year. Who knows? There are no breaks.
1: There are no breaks. If you're an opposing team, you're, you know, a lot of times you're looking at the rotation and the schedule and saying, oh, we get to miss Jacob deGrom this series. Cool. You know, we get Seth Lugo, right? We get Carrasco, whatever. Uh, There are no breaks. I mean – You don't even need to bother looking at the rotation schedule, you know, as a fan of an opposing team, because you know you're going to have somebody that's dealing every single night for the Dodgers. So,
2: Dodgers Padres series are going to be really good. Like, the Padres still feel like they're a couple low. The Dodgers, I think, have more top tier talent. But in some of those pitching matchups that you're going to get in like a three game series between the Dodgers and the Pods, you're just going to get stud, stud, stud every night out.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be like the Yankees and the Red Sox out West. And, uh, I'm excited for it. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Gina, we're about to wrap the show. I quickly wanted to make mention of something that's uh, kind of been hot lately and fun. It's kind of cool because it seems like at least on, uh, in the Twitter landscape, things have kind of shifted from maybe like intense politics to sports to investing. And so that's kind of been the big buzz lately. And, uh, I've always been of the mindset that, you know, if I went at the races or something, I like to put aside some some money for stocks or for investments and that type of thing. And uh, it kind of seems like a perfect storm of Russell Okung with the uh, uh, well, he was with the Seahawks, asked for half his salary to be in Bitcoin, first player ever to do that, to ask for payment in Bitcoin. and uh, these these altcoins have gotten really popular lately. And uh, they're fun. It's a cross between horse racing and baseball cards and Pokemon, right? Collectibles, they've got value, They're currency, et cetera. So, you know, if there's interest out there, maybe we could feature a coin here and there. A lot of these are very cheap to get into and it's very easy to set up an account. So something I've had fun with lately and you could make some nice money and uh, it kind of has that gambling feel to it. So. Uh, that's all the time we have though, Gino, but like I said, if there's interest out there, maybe we could kind of spend a minute or two, kind of like we've done with game of Thrones in the past during this time sure. of year. So that's all the time we got great show, Gino. Thank you for listening. Everyone. We'll see you the same time, same place next week.